the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into another Woods and Water SC Saturday. Yeah, very good. Another one. Another one. Hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. weekend. Hope everybody was safe. Yeah, there were were some boating accidents over the Memorial Day weekend that really... Gosh, you got to be careful out there, folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Head on a swivel. It's... You almost got to be more alert boating than you do driving. Yep. Because there's no no yellow lines and white lines on a lake. And no brakes. Yep. I don't know. Brakes. You're talking there's about that. no brakes. Okay, no brakes. All right, I'll there's give you that. There's no brakes. But, yeah, welcome in. And, and like I said, when you're out there on the water, gosh, just be careful. Uh, I think there were, what, a, one collision down in Georgia, that one in South collision, Carolina, yeah. resulting in fatalities. Yep. 17-year-old boy got killed, and then... I think four members of a family in Georgia mm-hmm. head on collision in a river down there near Savannah. So just be careful. That's that's uh, you know don't be scared to get out of the water, but man, when you're out there, just be careful. And I hope everybody's um, boat checks went well. Yeah, y'all did have them. Hope everybody cooperated and made all of the officers' lives easier. Yeah, that's right. And, and hope everybody was, was prepared. Yep. Hope you went out and. Day before you went out to the lake, you made sure your batteries were charged, made sure you had the right. Um, yeah, Dad, I'm calling you out on that one. Yeah, I gotta get um, that battery done. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody's life jackets fit right. Hope everybody's tires were pumped up enough. Yep. Just hope you had a great weekend and yeah. enjoyed it. Because there's a lot more of those late weekends coming up. <clears throat> Woohoo! Yeah, I'm so excited. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, welcome in. It's uh. Another good one. We've got Hunter Bridges on with us this show. Uh, he is uh, a new, uh, oh, what would you call him? Small game biologist. I hate to say that. But he is, he, he, he's a biologist with, with Quail Forever here in South Carolina, uh, one of their farm bill biologists to uh, kind of help landowners and all navigate that part of it. But he's a, he's a small game guy, and we we're going to talk a lot about quail and habitat. and Definitely not something I understand, yeah. so that's all we want. And, and it's, look, you can have backyard habitat. When we talk about habitat, quail habitat, oh, it doesn't a, have to be like a huge... It doesn't have to be 40-acre pasture yeah. or stuff like that. You can have you can have five-acre quail habitat mm-hmm. and have, do it really well. We have a couple-acre uh, uh, groundhog habitat. So. Yeah, right now. Yeah, we do. We do. Chunkers, has, Chunkers has three little ones now. They're precious. They are cute. <laughs> they can't, don't run very fast either. No, they don't. It's struggling to it's keep up. It's a wide load. It's a wide load. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah. So we do have a couple of things on the calendar this week. Surprisingly, brought, brought to you by Capital City, Lake Murray Country. Yep. Uh, 
I guess you can go first. I have two. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I have two, two. So the South Carolina Barbecue Association is putting on a Mid-State Quail and Dove barbecue cook-off. Uh, it's going to be June 11th at Little Mountain Park. There's going to be live music, cornhole, auctions, kids' events, all sorts of stuff. Um, it's a $200 entry fee if you want to be in the cook-off. It's $10 per person to go sample from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, there's first, second, third, fourth, and people's champ trophies. Um, so, yeah, go check that out. South Everybody Carolina Barbecue Association. Barbecue. Yep. <laughs> uh, it, it's another of the 2022 Bamberg County South Fork and Edisto River Canoe Kayak Trips. They run April through October. This one is Saturday, June the 11th. It'll launch at 9 a.m. at Nest Landing. Uh, they have some shuttles available. Uh, donations are accepted for the shuttle. Um, and you need to probably reserve. I don't see it here. Um, yeah, register. You need to register. So bring your own boat and gear. A life jacket and whistle are required by law. To rent a boat and gear, contact Cape Kayak Company. Uh, camping and cabins available at the Edisto Birdhouse Refuge or Barnwell State Park near Blackville. For additional information and to register, call or text Jerry Bell at 803-300-1972, Bell at mindspring.com, and this is all sponsored by the First Baptist Church of Denmark. Denmark. Yeah, North Denmark. We got some Norways down that way, too. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, The Outdoor Dream Foundation is putting on their fifth annual benefit bass tournament. Um, It's going to be Saturday, June 11th. At Lake Greenwood State Park, safe flight to 3 p.m. It's going to be $1,500 for first place. Um, I'm trying to see. Uh, all state and local rules apply. So if, to go figure out all of their tournament regulations and everything, you can go to the Outdoor Dream Foundation or OutdoorDream.org. Um, there's going to be raffle tickets. There's food at the weigh-ins. Um, and you can also go to that website to register. Time again for the 2022 Ag and Art Tour. Everybody's going scratching their head. Ag and Art. Okay, so mm-hmm. agriculture and art combined into one. Uh, what happens is is a free self-guided tour of farms and markets featuring local artisans at every stop. During the tour, visitors have the opportunity to see firsthand where the food comes from, watch artists in action, and purchase their works, enjoy the melodies of local musicians, and learn more about rural life. Rural life. Which I think is a big disconnect in today's society you know that chicken doesn't show up at bilo wrapped no it's grown somewhere it's uh you know and then those beans are grown somewhere and those cows come from somewhere and this is that reminds me of that that um i think it was a twitter post a couple years interrupting me viral well i gotta say before i forget about it um it was a twitter post and it was a lady that was like who needs farms we have grocery stores (laughs) yeah okay uh so anyway it's an opportunity for you to connect at the local level with uh, some of the certified South Carolina growers, uh, the South Carolina agritourism. So I want to highlight June the 11th and 12th. It's it's it is going to be in Lake Murray country. So Lexington, Newberry, and Richland counties. Uh, there's a map. If you go to agandarttour.com, uh, you can see the. Uh, about uh, the tour map and all that. So if you go to, like, Lexington County uh, and you click on a dot, Hollow Creek Distillery, okay, that's part of it. 
uh, Fire Barrel Farm, uh, Richland County, Fable Farms, uh, let's see, Pinewood Lake Park, going to have something, Fox Hideaway Farm, uh, and you, you go and you you connect. I mean, it's it's uh it's really cool. But if you go to each individual county, it'll show you who's uh, who's available. And there's farms. Hey, let's see. Yeah, Locklear Farms, and it gives LocklearFarmSupply.com, so you can look and see what that is. If that's in Lexington County, if you go to Newberry, oh come on, quit disappearing on me, Newberry County. Um, okay, so there's Newberry, and here's the farms involved. So you can go to Highbrow Beef Company. Uh, what is that one? Oh, that's the same one. Whoopsie. Lever Farms in Pomeria. It looks like they grow strawberries. So this is an opportunity to get back to kind of our roots here in, in the United States as a, as, as ag-based. South Carolina is an ag-based state for the most part. Uh, but the agandarttour.com is where you want to go and, uh, go enjoy because a lot of those places have some really good stuff food. to snack on while you're there. <laughs> we are very much a food kind of people. We're foodie we? people. Okay. Do you yeah. want to go through that right quick? No. Nah, we'll you don't have it. time for it. We'll save it till next time. We'll save time. it next time. It's the problem. You, you start judging how long your mouth is going to wink and talk and all. And, <laughs> and ours doesn't Yeah. Lot, so. and we can't get through things in a hurry. But anyway, um, what are you pointing at? Hmm? You're pointing at you waving your hand around pointing at something. Anyway, Hunter Bridges, <laughs> Quail Forever here in South Carolina is going to join us, and we're going to have a good time talking Get about it. Get your notepad and pen. Yeah, and, and just remember, up. when you manage for small game, you manage for all game. Mm-hmm. Hang on, we'll be back. More Woods and Water South Carolina inside the break. dare you to say it. You know, I wasn't going to say anything, but the only comment I was going to make was yes. this is like a, <clears throat> that automatically took me to like the movie we just watched. Oh, because, Top Gun, Maverick. Yep, yep. Yep. I don't know why, but it just did. Good movie. It was, it was good. I liked the first one better. Yeah, so. It was not as good as about, you know, the first, it just, uh, you know, the first one was just it was the first one. It was a film 36 years ago. Tom Cruise, would you stop that? <laughs> Tom Cruise has aged very well, by the way. He, 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 I'm sure a lot of people have seen Top Gun Maverick now, uh, but uh, he does a little intro right at the beginning, and and the boy looks good. And that is his P51 Mustang in the movie. I'm going to go buy it from him. Holy smoke. And there's a really cool clip. I don't know who that guy was. Durbin, what's the guy, the comedian or whatever? That Tom Cruise invites oh, out to go. Gosh. I can't remember. James well, Corbin. Yeah, James Corden. 
Corey, you need to look it up. It's a, it's a YouTube video that, that Tom Cruise gets this guy to come out, and the looks on this guy's face when Tom says we're going flying and some of this other stuff is just priceless, folks. Well, just priceless. I mean, to see a fat British guy stuffed <laughs> in a P-51 Mustang yeah. for the first time. And he, he tries to run for Tom. Tom goes, where are you going? We're in the middle of the desert, you know? <laughs> anyway, and we just wasted Two minutes of our guest time, Taylor. What's wrong Ow. with you? Ow. Uh, we uh, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. You know we we like to talk here, and um, it's uh, it, it's always neat to have a new a new voice on the show, and and that's what we've got today. We've got uh, Hunter Bridges, who is with Quail Forever in South Carolina. He's our new Farm Bill biologist in Abbeville, McCormick, Greenwood, Sluda, and Edgefield counties. <gasps> Uh, he's working out of the NRCS offices and uh, management plans and and farm bill enrollments and programs and all. And Hunter, it is a uh, it, it's been fun talking to you leading up to this, and we're gonna have a good time on the show. And thanks for taking time to be on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Absolutely, Roger. Thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure, and I look forward to this discussion. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? I was gonna, I was gonna comment on that. I, I haven't. I'm, I, I'm a little bit reluctant because I, I'm a big fan of the first one. Yeah. But after after your report, uh, I may have to, I may have to give it a try. It, it's it's good. Um, it's oh, the flying is just, the flying is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you knew it was well, from the, the mid '80s, I guess. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there's some there's some cheesy parts, I guess you'd want to say, kind of predictable. Predict yes, predictable, not cheesy. Yeah. Predictable parts and all, but <laughs> but overall a really good movie. And you it's just... not one that'll ruin the first one. We'll just put it that way. Like it didn't. Like... Oh, you'll never, they'll never top the first one. But oh no, the first one was not in this new one. Is that right? No. Oh, that's disappointing. Oh. Anyway. Bob Whitequill. <laughs> yes, Bob Whitequill. Enough of the movie reviews. Uh, t- I, I kind of gave you a little bit of an introduction, but take a couple minutes and, and talk about your background, uh, how you came to be here with Quail and Lemon in South Carolina. Quail for, uh, see, Quail and Lemon. See, I'm, I'm dropping back to here like the, the 1980s. Forever. It's Quail yeah. Forever. Quail and Lemon is gone. But, uh, yeah, give us a rundown on yourself. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, you grew up here in South Carolina, and, and like uh, like you and most of your listeners, uh uh, grew up hunting and, and fishing and that sort of thing, uh, all, really all over the, all over the state. And uh, uh, ended up getting a degree from in wildlife and fisheries biology from Clemson University. Okay. Uh, back in 2009, done uh, various things since then, including a lot of wildlife photography, some wildlife damage management, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, and then finally got involved uh, with my local chapter. Well, it really didn't exist at the time. Got involved <laughs> uh, starting the local chapter of um, of Quail Forever here in the Upstate, which is very new. Okay. And that uh, you know, through that initiative, got to know a lot of the folks doing work in in Bawa Quail, you know, restoration initiatives, and sure. got very interested in it, and and especially got um, you know, I was I was just encouraged to see that hey, this stuff is really working, and I wanted to get involved, and and uh, that was a few years ago, and here I am uh, recently uh, on board with Quail Forever um, as the uh, as the uh, uh, biologist here in McCormick or. Abbeville County, Abbeville McCormick, Greenwood Edgefield. I am a farm bill biologist. Uh, okay. So I work uh, primarily with private landowners on uh, uh, writing, you know, management plans that would, uh, you know, increase the quality of their habitat for upland birds in general, especially ground nesting birds. Okay. And if possible, we can uh, we can uh, work with programs, particularly the Equip program, environmental quality. Uh, 
uh, incentives program. I always have to think about that. Yeah. Uh, which does offer some cost share for those types of, of uh, habitat improvement. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing here in in, uh, in Abbeville in McCormick. Nice. Well, I, I hear we have some pretty good news for quail people. Yeah. Like you, Dad. Yeah, like me. What is yeah. that good news? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're seeing uh, we're seeing these quail respond uh, to these habitat initiatives. Uh, I, w- I would point to some of our quail focal areas here in South Carolina. Uh, is running uh, probably the one of the most beautiful ones here in the state down at Indian Creek. Uh, we have one down here in uh, McCormick near me, which is the Bordeaux quail focal area. Um, and and some of the management initiatives that we're going to discuss moving forward are. are um, are, are starting to pay dividends. We are seeing more birds and hearing more birds during these whistle, whistle counts and cubby counts. And, you know, since, uh, if I recall correctly, I think since about 2017, we've, we've been seeing these quail numbers go up uh, pretty consistently. So our efforts are paying off. And, uh, you know, as, as dismal as it's been, you know, the past, you know, 2030 <laughs> with respect to quail, um, hey, you know, this is fixable. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a light at the end of this tunnel here. I, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, and, and pretty much anybody that listens to the show knows well, they may not. I, you know, I grew up bird hunting. You know, that was we didn't have deer. <laughs> People out there scratch your head, going, "Do what? No deer?" But yeah, no, I mean, you know, in the seventies, and especially in the upstate, you know, I always had that deer population in the low country, and we stocked deer from the low country into something national forest in the fifties and sixties, and they spread from there. But you know, growing up, we had small farming. Lots of overgrown hedgerows and uh, fence rows and all, and, and we had quail. And when you talked about going bird hunting, it was quail hunting. So I guess I I, I grew up in, in maybe not the best bird hunting in South Carolina, but I grew up in some pretty dadgum good bird hunting um, territory and habitat. And, uh, you know, it wasn't always pretty. Hunter, it, as 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 landowners and all, you like to see those freshly mowed fields and mm-hmm. you know those nice edges and all. But but quail need quail need some ugly stuff to to really flourish. Absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. Quail quail need weeds, man. <laughs> um, and, uh, well, you know that that's wildlife in general, really throughout the southeast. I mean, when you think of quail, don't really eat grass. No. Or, or, well, well, quail, but also wildlife in general. Yeah. We're going to talk. Actually, we're going to talk a lot about grass. Okay. In this. I hope without uh, I hope without getting too boring, but uh, grass is important. We're going to talk about some of that. But okay. but yeah, bottom line, you're absolutely right. Those those uh, those wildlife need weeds, what we call weeds. Yeah. All right, we got we've got maybe four minutes left in this segment, and I think it's a pretty good time to do it. Talk about a bob white quail. Sure. I think uh, you know right off the bat when we think about uh, you know what what quail need is sort of if, as we get into you know, habitat restoration, what that looks like. Um, they're, they're, if you you can, you know, distill it down, distill their needs down to three primary things. Okay. So to walk around on. All right. Imagine, illustrate that. Imagine being a quail trying to walk through a field of fescue. Uh, he's not going to do it. Not you know, happening. trying to walk through a, you know, blackberry up to our, uh, you know, up to our chest. Right. You know, a place. It'd be very difficult. We would avoid that. Well, there you go. Uh, they need some bare ground to walk around on. Uh, they need some overhead cover, overhead cover with respect to a quail, which is to us would be low, you know, shin, knee high. Sure. Uh, to, to allow them to avoid predators. Right. I need what we just talked about, those those weeds, those are base, that herbaceous cover. Um, uh, for, well, I'm sorry, are that, those weeds primarily for food. Um, okay. And we'll get into some of those, uh, you know, specifics of some of those species here in just minutes. But those are the three primary needs of, of, of bob white quail. 
And they're such fragile birds. You know, I, I think I think some of the studies said if you jump to quail, and I forget the specifics. If you if you flush a quail and it's over ninety degrees, he's got an eighty percent chance of dying just from heat exhaustion, or some it was it yeah. was something like that. And I'm looking, at what a fragile little animal, little bird. They really are. But if we give them the habitat they need, uh, you know, we can we're we're seeing them respond quickly and positively. So yeah, you know that uh, that bare ground, that low overhead cover, and those seed producing weeds and and uh, you know they they can take good care of themselves despite predators. Yeah, they are. Uh, I, I watched uh, this past year. I watched a, an owl try to get one in my one of my fields, and I, I plant this. I plant a mix of uh, uh, it's from Watermaker Seed. It's a DNR quail mix. It's a Egyptian wheat, a WGF sorghum, a buckwheat, and it might be foxtail millet or something like that. I don't think I don't think it was millet. Doesn't have sesame in it. Maybe it has. Mm. Anyway, it, you know, it, it kind of gets the the ground cover all the way up to the eight foot, and then you get that Egyptian wheat toppling over and all. And that owl yeah. was trying to get to those quail. That's something I've never watched. That's pretty neat. It was. It, I didn't have a camera. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I was deer hunting. <laughs> I was deer at the time, and and you know the the owl was trying to get around the edge, and those those Egyptian wheat stalks just got in his way every time. And finally, after about ten minutes, uh, those birds got up and left. They were like, "Well, we've done this enough. See ya." <laughs> yeah. But that was—I have never seen an owl chase quail through a field. <laughs> I, have, I have to say, I haven't seen that either. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty dead gum cool. Uh, which is which is one of those benefits of being outdoors a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's you know that's why we get up there, and that's why you keep a camera with you, by the way, Rod. Well, yeah, and, and, when, uh, <laughs> and one of the closing lines for the last nine years has been, "Don't forget the camera." Uh, you do a lot. Well, it's, but it's hard when you're deer hunting. It's hard to uh, negotiate the tree stand a and a camera, and but there was 250 yards away. You'd never know what it was. <laughs> but uh, through binoculars, it looks a real lot closer. Uh, got about a minute left. Talk yep. just for a second. Quail Forever. Sure. Organization. Uh, well, yeah, Quail Forever has been around for a while. It's, it's, uh, we're, we just started, uh, our Piedmont chapter, uh, less than, gosh, we're, we actually, actually got it off the ground, uh, just within, just over a year ago. Okay. Uh, for the, you know, for the Piedmont region. There, there is, um, uh, also Quail Forever, the Midlands chapter is pretty new as well. So, um, that's one of the most important things. One of the things I really want to emphasize here. Um, you know, that, that, that membership matters. And we'll talk some more about what Quail Forever is doing okay. and uh, impact that they're making, not only in, for Bob White Quail here in the southeast, but for uh, pheasants and grouse, uh, you know, in the northwest and, 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 you know, some of our western states. Uh, this is a big organization. I mean, this, okay. and I don't mean to, uh, you know, downgrade any, any other wildlife organization, a lot of great things out, but out sure. there, but you know, with respect to numbers and, and the amount of money and biologists on the ground, um, Quail Forever slash Pheasants Forever. Uh, Pheasants Forever is the parent company. Sure. Um, they're doing more than anyone else right now. Cool. Uh, so a- absolutely a lot of exciting things going on, and, and I hope we get a chance to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. And we will. All right, y'all. First segment down. Y'all hang on a bit. We'll be back with more Woods and Water South Carolina inside the break. Oh, had the volume all the way up on that one. Said I caught that. This would have blown everybody out. <clears throat> yeah, what? <laughs> we like our music here.
Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. We are uh, we're talking about I don't know. Gosh, I mean, you know, quail forever and and quail habitat. But uh, <clears throat> Hunter, when we talk about habitat, when you manage for quail, specifically manage for quail, you know, you, a lot of people can do a lot of habitat management for deer, or or you know, build your build your brush piles for rabbits, or you know, put your chief plots in for turkeys and stuff like that. But when you manage for bobwhite quail. The habitat they need is the habitat that everything else flourishes in. That that is exactly right. Let's let's talk a little bit about that habitat, how it's composed, and 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 how, what what exactly these quail are adapted to. I touched on uh, before the break. You know, we talked about those those three primary requirements. You know, some bare ground, some overhead ground to kind of walk around on, some uh, low overhead cover, and then seed producing. You know, what we would call weeds. Uh, okay. Like our, our species like the beggar's lice, the stuff that sticks to your pants when you're walking through the woods. That's way at the top of the list. They really need that. You know, some of our native Lespedezas and a few of the introduced ones. Okay. Uh, you know, very uh, ragweed. Uh, ragweed's another really big one. Pokeweed, those sorts of things. Um, quail really depend on those. And those that's not an exhaustive list, but just sure. give, give you yeah. uh, quail really depend on those things. So um, if we go back to you know, sort of your ideal quail habitat. What are they adapted to? It would be that that uh, you know pine pine oak savanna type habitat. And I think it's um, a lot of people are under the under the impression that you know when you think of pine savanna, you think of low country, sandy soil below the fall line. Your your longleaf pine wiregrass uh, ecosystem, and that's a perfectly great example. But um, believe it or not, you know that that grassland habitat extended well into Piedmont. Okay. Uh, from from Virginia down into eastern parts of Texas. Um, you know, this would be obviously prior to European uh, uh, settlement. Sure. But uh, so that's what a quail is adapted to, and 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 it's uh, when I say fire dependent, I can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> I mean, it really, you think you have tens of thousands of acres of contiguous grassland, one single ignition event, that sucker's not going to stop. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's, a river or maybe an area that was burned the previous year, which, you know, didn't have much fuel accumulation. But the point being, this stuff burned consistently. Tree density would, would have been very low. Uh, now, your trees that didn't make it to the point at which they could withstand, or withstand fire would, would, you know, potentially live for hundreds of years. Sure. But, you know, think of, think of tree, tree canopies would, more or less, tree canopies would seldom touch on, on the, on the upland areas. You know, we're not talking so much down to the bottoms and cre- uh, creek bottoms and draws, but sure. on your upland areas, you would have very dense tree, uh, tree canopies. All that sunlight on the forest floor and all of those native bunch grasses, that's another really important thing. This is before fescue, Bermuda, Ahea, uh, these, these non-native grass species that are, when we think of grass now in the southeast, I think that's what comes, what comes to people's mind. Sure. Uh, particularly if you're in the Piedmont, it's fescue. Fescue. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's not native, and, and that was one of the most devastating blows to, to ground nesting birds, uh, believe it or not. But uh, sure. uh, it's the intrusion of fescue. But at the time, we have these bunch of grasses. Think of, um, you know, this big blue stem, little blue stem, Indian grass, switchgrass, uh, 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 broom sedge is another one. Most people kind of lump those all together under the term blue uh, broom sedge, but okay. they're, they're grasses, and they grow um, – if you th- if you think of maybe like if you've done any landscaping like love grass or pampas grass, uh, sort of how it, I'm not I'm not suggesting plant those for quail. <laughs> it's just a comparison. Those sure. Are not good. 
but uh, you know they grow out of one clump and they sort of cascade around themselves, uh, discourage throw casting shade right around the clump, discouraging some of that uh, discouraging germination beneath it. So you have these clumps of grass, and these quail can get around these clumps really, really well. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So there's your there. That's that's the importance of your of your native warm season grasses. Um, you know, and of course that's that's dependent on enough sunlight hitting the canopy. So the two primary um, well, that's a little bit of a stretch, but <laughs> two of the primary uh, 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 hits that the quail have taken, you know, post-European settlement would be our forests uh, it with as, as fire was eliminated. The tree canopy, the trees were not, um, the tree canopies had, had grown up to the point where they're yeah. shading out a, a, an herbaceous layer, right? Yeah. And, Fescue overtaking those native uh, fescue Bermuda Bahia overtaking all of our open areas from fields, pastures, power lines, uh, uh, gas lines, the size of roads, all that now is in non-native grasses. And we talked a little bit before about how difficult it is for a quail to get around to that. So as of right now, they don't have a whole lot of habitat left to hang on to, right? Right. So what we want to do, I guess, with respect to to managing for quail is managing for the habitat. You're not going to release them and, and bring them back that way, release them no. and raise them, and try and nip down how many million ways trying to do that. Oh. You're, you're just releasing them into bad habitat. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we want to open these open these canopies up, uh, and we want to, and, and, uh, for goodness sake, you know, reintroduce fire. Keep, keep you know, uh, uh, succession, uh, you know, vegetative succession set right. back yep. so that we're you know, we're not growing up that dense uh, mid-canopy story, which, you know, in both cases would be a dense layer of sweet gums, you know, which would shade out any any um, uh, grass and, and forbs that would, that would you know, benefit quail. Right. You know, you talk about bringing fire back and all. There's a – it's always amazing. Even we have, we have pecan trees, and pecan trees just lend themselves year-round. I don't know uh-huh. what it is. I don't see why they're still standing. As many pecan trees limbs as I've picked up in my entire life, I don't see why we've still got pecan trees. But, <laughs> but you know, but, but we tried to keep that clean up underneath there and all. And uh, you, 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 we had a certain area where we broke those up and piled them up. We burned them. And it never ceased to amaze me, just in a, a burning a clump of pecan tree limbs in the fall or something, what popped up the next spring? You'd have partridge pea. You'd have all sorts of something like, where'd that come from? Absolutely. But there's there's like a seed bank laying underneath whatever is on top of the ground that you're looking at, and then fire, when fire goes through and takes off that thing, that's, of course, fire sparks germination mm-hmm. because of the disturbance and all that. But you got that native seed bank waiting there just to pop up. Absolutely. So that's a that's a big point uh, to bring up. You know that um, that seed bank is is absolutely like you said. It's there waiting to be waiting to be uh, encouraged. Yeah, it, it doesn't take much. I've had people you know ask me how to you know how to reestablish. You know how how much you know how how hard is it to replant all that? And, and that can be replanted. Sure. There are native grass seeds you can you can purchase, but as often as not, uh, just re- reintroducing fire to your landscape. And and some uh, you know in some cases maybe some some winter disking or that sort of thing that like you said that seed bank sitting there waiting. It always amazed me what popped up and I'm like ooh look at that ooh, ooh look at that you know yeah and and when we the started more you, the more you appreciate quail habitat the more you're on your hands and knees like looking at this <laughs> broadleaf stuff and I'm like oh man this is gonna be great you know you get excited about it yeah. like oh a little a little ragweed plant that's two inches tall you're kind of pumped you know? yeah yeah look at that that's that's cool um, got about. 
two, two and a half minutes left in the segment. What are, you know, because you do have fire and all that, but mm-hmm. if if somebody is going to go in and plant quail habitat in 2022, starting in 2023, what are they going to look for? What what kind of seeds are they going to look for to, to plant for specifically for quail habitat? Sure. Um, well, right off the bat, I would say, well, I guess the answer to your question would, would be, um, you, you can purchase, uh, you know, uh, native warm season grass, okay. uh, blends. Okay. Um, but right off the bat, you know, I don't want to discourage that at all, <laughs> but no, I really don't. But r- right off the bat, in, in as many cases as not, or probably more cases than not, just, just first of all, reintroducing fire. Okay. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you can, if you have maybe a field edge, say a, a big pasture. Sure. Uh, you can, if you can spray some of that fescue out, to, you know, disc that up and, and it may take two applications of herbicide, but, you know, kill some of that, get, uh, and, and keep that disc up. You'll have those native grasses pop back up. If go. not, again, you can look into, you can look into purchasing some of those native seed blends. But again, I, I want to emphasize the point that you made. Uh, a lot of the stuff is in our natives, is in our seed bank right now. Um, so, you know, the, your, your, some of those, uh, blue, uh, big blue stem, little blue stem, uh, Indian grass, uh, 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 brushy blue stem, those sorts of things, they're gonna, they're gonna come up naturally in most cases. Nice. Cause I know that that seed is expensive. That's kind of what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right. Burn, uh, burning per acre, acre is cheaper than trying to seed per acre. <laughs> <laughs> right. You went there, I didn't, but you're right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, uh, you look at, because I, I like to look at the pollinator seed and I like to look at yeah. the, you know, the, the old hedgerow seed where you, you know, you get some wild plum and you get some, you know, yeah. blackthorn oh, and stuff like that. Wild plum, great, great, uh, great Oh, yeah, cover. but goodness that. gracious alive, the yeah. cost of getting all that back is like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just really want to be more encouraging that in, in, in most cases or in a lot of cases, you don't have to go buy that seed yeah. and it can just it can be it, you can bring it back from the, from the native seed bank. And as long as you're, you know, introducing fire every two years or so, or so depending on your site, that's right. not a, you know, just to say every two years uh, and, and uh, you know, managing and in some places managing through disking. Uh, we'll talk about uh, maybe uh, in the next segment or so. Yeah. I think we're in on here. Yeah, just mowing um okay. big difference. so that's maybe something we'll come to in the next segment but yeah these these uh these native forbs and native grasses can absolutely be encouraged cool not everything's about money folks sometimes just about a little bit of time and maybe some fire and fire is fun as long as you control fire it is a ton of fun. <laughs> fire. <laughs> all right y'all hang on we're gonna be back with more woods and water south on the side of the break You do this one, Taylor. I think we know him enough. How about that? Huh? I know I'm going to lose, so. I don't know that. I do. Got a baby girl sleeping in my bed. All right, Hunter, don't say it. Don't say it out loud, but do you know who this is? I don't really know what I got here, yes. but I'm so okay. glad that So I'll be. See, he's, he's got a name in his... What? what uh, I, uh, I, I know... I, I know who he is. Okay. I know the band he used to sing for. But okay. okay. All right. All right. Well, so just hang on to that right there. So... That's a great song. Okay. I just speak... 
Okay, all right, okay. okay. All right. Anyway. We, I think we know him well enough to do this. So you have kind of like who it is in your head, right? Okay. So yeah, I know who is. I'm, I'm trying to think of the name. Yeah, go okay. ahead. So to you. You have to positionally, you have to put yourself into, into a position of, of who this is in music now. So go ahead, mm-hmm. Taylor. To you, is that always going to be Hootie and the Blowfish to you, or is that going to be Darius Rucker? Always Hootie and the Blowfish. Darius! Yes! Yes! No! <laughs> and listen, the guy is awesome. Please, this is oh. not a knock on him. I love his music. Oh, yeah. But he is Hootie and the Blowfish. I'm sorry. See? Oh! I love it. Dang it. I think we're tied now. Oh, who knows? We've been doing this for like four years. I have never, I have never kept track of this. We can start giving like a scoreboard. You know why I couldn't think of the name? Because he's always hooting the blue. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah. So there, yeah. That's why. Okay. I lost right. that one. You lost that one. Take it like a champ. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, gosh, we folks, we have had a ball this show. Um, hope you have. We did, During the break, we were talking, and, and Hunter is a... Has been a in another life and maybe in this life a professional photographer, outdoor photography. So we, yeah. Uh, so we are gonna we are gonna schedule a photography show. Not that he's gonna give away trade secrets, but he's just gonna teach you how to take a better picture. I'll give away I'll give away every trade secret I have. Oh gosh. <laughs> Well, that was easy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, folks. So yeah, look forward to that one. We'll uh, we'll make sure to give you some some heads up on that. And you and you you hack photogs like me out there, we can see how bad we really are. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, back back to uh, back to quail and quail management. We we talked. We hit on this just at the end of the last segment. Uh, control burns, uh, wintertime disking, and all. Got a lot of landowners out there. They're going, okay. I know that fire is good. Uh, I've heard about disking maybe a little bit, but but how often do I want to burn? I've got a, you know, a 25 acre patch of pine trees, or I've got a, a 10 acre field that's full of broom straw and whatever else, and I want to burn it. But do I burn it and just let it go five years, or what kind of schedule do you want to get on with those kind of control burns? Sure. I, I want to be careful in advising here because it is going to depend very much on on. Uh, basically your soil productivity. Okay. Uh, this is the way to put it. Um, you know, on a low productivity site, which, you know, something like that, you might, you might get away with burning it, you know, every three years or something, uh, or something like that. On a high productivity site, it may, might need to be more every year, every other year. Okay. Um, I think more often than not on most sites for quail, we're looking at every other year. Okay. All right. uh, again, I'll be careful there. Like don't, don't just take that and think, okay, you know, that's, that's the rule of thumb. We're always going to do that. So, um, yeah, one to, for quail, one to three years. When you start getting to five, six years, you're going to hurt yourself because that's okay. when those sweet gums and maples have had, you know, four to five years to regenerate. And by that point, they're big enough around that, you know, a, a fire is not going to kill them anymore. And the right. whole point of fire is to maintain that early successional herbaceous layer. So if you're waiting too long between burns, it's about as bad as not burning at all, right? And um, and the guy that's going to help you determine that whether you've got a you know a, a productive soil bed or a non-productive soil bed right. is, is some of the biologists. You mentioned a forum in the state. You got some programs and also let's um, hey, uh, a farm bill biologist. Yeah, uh, and there are four of us here in South Carolina. Uh, and if you want to find the one closest to you, you can just go to quail um, just uh, quailforever.org 
how did I do this? I just put, actually, I just Googled a minute ago, <laughs> Quill, ever farm bill biologist, and it popped right up. Okay. So you'll find the one uh, closest to you uh, in, in your area. All right. And that's where again? Uh, that's quailforever.org uh, slash habitat, and it'll take you it'll take you right there. Or, again, just Google. Uh, sometimes it's hard to remember URLs like that. If right. you just Google quail forever, farm bill biologist, South Carolina, It'll it'll put you there, and you'll just enter. You'll go down. You'll enter. I'm looking at it right now. You enter your zip code. Okay. And uh, you know a name will pop up. Okay. All right. And that that's dependent on where you are in in the state. That's right. And those and those services, by the way, are free. Um, so the, there's zero cost to having myself or, or or someone else. You know, one of my coworkers come out, depending on where in the state you are, to come out and uh, you know and, and look at your look at your property and discuss what kind of options might be available. And and. Without, and we want to stay away from, okay, if you do this, you're going to get this much in federal funding or whatever. Like that. Explain the EQUIP program and how people go about getting one of you guys to come out and look, form a plan, and then see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So so the EQUIP program, it's part of a, a much larger piece of legislation that, that does offer landowners some financial assistance for, let's just say, um, let's say, Hypothetically, converting you know some of your some of your pasture, uh, you have a big field of pasture where you're where you're harvesting uh, you know, uh, hay, okay, hey. mm-hmm. and and so you you know make a you make a a, a, um, a line you know around uh, around the edge of that pasture maybe you know twenty or thirty yards lot wide that you're going to convert to native uh, a hedgerow is what I was trying to say uh, to native grasses let's say you know there could be uh, you know some some cost share incentives associated with that for reestablishing warm season grasses. There could be cost share uh, uh, opportunities out there for, you know, say you thin your pines down to, to a, you know, a basal area or, or a density that would be uh, consistent with, you know, upland uh, promoting upland bird habitat. There, there could be cost share opportunities there. So okay. again, I want to be careful about promising, say, Hey, you sure. should do this, this amount of money, but sure. uh, there are funds out there. And, and part of, Part of my job and, and the job of, of people like me is to, is to sort of accelerate the enrollment in that in that uh, program and help you sort of navigate that the the pitfalls of the or not really pitfalls but sort of navigate the farm bill sure uh, problem. yeah what you know you mentioned something there basal basal area what is what is a basal area for quail for upland uh, game what is, is yeah. it I'm at, I'm at I think I'm at thirty am I at thirty right now thirty I would. You, uh, that's really low, and I'm not. It's not too low for quail, but that's thirty is like a field with a couple trees. In it. <laughs> well, and maybe yeah. I'm not at thirty. It might be at forty then. I know we yeah. we've done a first uh, thin and a second thin, and then this would generally be the one you go to saw timber. But saw timber's not in great demand, and we're kind of caught right. in that other kind of yeah. And and gosh, it's just so pretty, <laughs> you know. It, well, sixty, I think, I think sixty and below is really better for you know that that fifty sixty range is great. Okay. Um, sixty, you know, getting a getting up, getting at seventy and a seventy is really the point where you're really pushing it. But you can that can be some good quail habitat. Yeah, but I guess the it's hard to really quantify <laughs> that. You know, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I say bottom. Like I guess I'm gonna say sixty. I'm gonna say sixty five. Sixty five, fifty to sixty five is kind of the best. Okay. All right. Really speaking, but that gotcha. doesn't mean you can't do anything, you know, above or below that. By yeah. any means, just below that, you, you can still be in really good shape. Yeah. Okay. Well, back back to the equip program and all that. Anything else there we need to talk about? Anything you want to fill in? 
No, I, I think uh, I think you know the bottom line is that you know that there are cost share opportunities out there. There is there is federal funding out there, and you know if you're interested in this kind of thing, you know go to uh, Quail. Just Google Quail Forever, okay. uh, a farm bill biologist, uh, or or quailforever.org/slash habitat slash find a biologist or no habitat slash I'm sorry let me start that over <laughs> wellforever.org slash habitat slash find a biologist gotcha uh, and I, yeah or, or again the easy way the way I do it would be just quail forever farm bill biologist hit enter and, and Google will do the rest <laughs> right I gotcha um, and it's got to be I mean I'm, I'm sure it's very rewarding to get a call from somebody and and watch a piece of property transition from fescue to, you know, maybe a mix of fescue. It's still got some hay fields there to work with, but yeah. you got that, that edge, and then quail need that edge. A- absolutely, and and, and it, the most rewarding thing is to see these these efforts uh, these efforts work because that's the important thing. They work. And we're seeing dividends. We're seeing results where where these uh, where we're starting to restore habitat, even not exactly to you know uh, your, your perfect tree density, your perfect uh, your perfect vegetative composition. We're, even if it's not quite perfect, we are seeing these quail respond quickly and favorably. Um, so this is it's not a pie in the sky initiative. This stuff is working, and gotcha. it's exciting. Gotcha. Well, folks, I uh, we've had a good time. Uh, Hope Hunter. Um, you're big. You're big. We need. We need to do the thing, but we also need to talk about the, the. Uh, see if I can get it here. Here we go, folks. If you're a bird hunter, oh come on, whistle, whistle. There we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it, it's amazing. You can you can tell somebody here is bird hunting because that stop that sound will stop them in their tracks. <laughs> Um, no, we've had a great time. Uh, Quail Forever is, is if you're interested in, in in getting involved. You got is there are there two or three chapters in South Carolina now? There are, um, gosh, you know, Low Country, Midlands. I know, I know there's three. Okay, and Piedmont then. Maybe a fourth, and I'm going to get okay. yelled at if I get that wrong. So uh, it's all right. <laughs> somewhere in there. Yeah. I, I think there's three now. You know, you can go to Quail Forever, get involved. Um. Oh yeah, go to um, sc go to uh, scquailforever.org. There that you go. Be, That's that it. That'll be the best place to go. scquailforever.org. Yep. No, no dat. No, there's not a dot, not a dash between sc. Just scquailforever.org. Yep. And that's huge. I can't emphasize enough the importance of of, of that membership. Yeah. Uh, it goes a long way. And again, I mean, Quail Forever. Um, you know, our, our our parent organization is Pheasants Forever. This is not. Um, this is not a small initiative. This okay. is a major initiative. I mean, comparable. Uh, well, really, I mean, it's it, they're more about bio- they, they have more biologists on the ground than any other uh, 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 non-governmental organization out there. Period. Cool. Um, so this is not a small, uh, you know, organization. A lot of big things going on. A lot of great work going on, and it's and it's especially satisfying to see it uh, really trickle down into the southeast to bring our quail back, and it's working. Cool. We have enjoyed it, Hunter. Thank you very much for taking some time to be with us, folks. You've heard about Absolutely. it. Um, we'll have him back on, but you've heard how to get involved and, and a lot of things you can do to take advantage of restoring some quail. It, like I said, it does for all. So anyway, as always, thanks for being here. Make time to get outside. Take the back roads and you can. And yeah, don't be like me. Don't forget <laughs> the, the back camera. Roads, I love it. Yeah, don't forget the camera. Y'all hang on. Uh, back next week, more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Gone, Carolina.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.